Seinfeld. The apology is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld. The post show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who, no matter what position you put us in, it's going to be tough to find the good naked. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Keith Winokur. Keith, how are you? How's it going, Rob? Sorry, I spoke for you, Keith. I think I think it's fair to say. Well, <laughs> we learned in this episode all guys are bad naked. Yes, too utilitarian, and uh, I'm not even sure I qualify for that. No, I don't know. If there's, if there's a third category, I think I'm in that for sure. Yes. And so we're talking about The Apology, an episode that I really only remember the good naked and bad naked part of it. But the rest of the storyline involves a lot of the, uh, what would you call that, uh, addiction recovery treatment? Yeah, a lot of meetings, a lot of, uh, a lot of like subgroups, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we end up with uh, the AA and sort of Rageaholics Anonymous and Germaphobes Anonymous, which I don't really think that that's a thing. But uh, is it? Germaphobes Anonymous? Uh, I'm going to guess no. Yeah, okay. So if it I don't is, know. it's not a big one. It's not like you can't just like find a meeting in any city for Germaphobes Anonymous. Not one of the top ones. But anyway, so a lot to do. Uh, Keeve, uh, you think we should go through the podcast normally this week or should we do it in reverse order? We do sideways. Sideways? How do you do that? Just like random, like the iPod shuffle? Yeah. And we didn't even do, we did backwards. We didn't do opposite. Like, what if we said that, like, the wrong things with every, you know, like, we just, you know, it was like opposite day and we just said said everything wrong. Or is that every week where we say something wrong? Well, that's every week where we say something wrong. Of course, if you missed last week's podcast where we talked about the betrayal, uh, we ended up uh, doing the podcast out of order for you guys where we tried to emulate the format of the Seinfeld episode. We told you season nine, we're going to mix up the format. We're going to play with some things. And uh, that was a good example of that. Yeah. And hopefully another we have another idea or two in the hopper of uh, mixing up the format. But I was I was really nervous that people wouldn't like it. You know, we didn't say what we were doing, which I think was the right call. Yeah, we uh, actually so- uh, for a while talk about that where. Keeve was a very much team don't say anything. I was concerned that I, I didn't want people to be confused, but ultimately I ended up going with uh, the Keeve position on it. Yeah. And I think ultimately I, history was kind to, to my idea. Yes. So you feel like that most of the feedback was positive? Yeah. The first person wrote in like it was funny because Scott St. Pierre did a great job. A yeoman's job of editing that episode backwards. And mm. then uh and then the the feedback started coming in and the first person started saying like what's going on and then like later he was like uh oh i figured it out but it doesn't work on as a podcast i'm like oh no everyone's gonna hate it all right whatever it's just one out of 180 episodes but that was the only negative feedback i saw after that it was universally positive more feedback than usual and it was all positive uh even like haters like chester said it was the best episode of the whole podcast oh wow okay good Good. So. I, I hadn't heard that. So, yeah, I'm happy with how it worked out. You know, I was just concerned that people were going to turn it on and then it was going to be like, oh, well, you guys made a mistake. And Scott St. Pierre was going to be like inundated with emails. And I didn't want people to be bothering him, like just trying to say that the podcast was wrong. But I think that the w- the way it started, I think, was uh, like it came in on the right thing that we were saying you know, thanks and goodbyes and stuff like that. So I'm glad I'm glad it, w- it worked out. And if you didn't listen to it yet and you listened to this, the, the episodes out of order, like what's wrong with you? Right. Uh, yeah, that would be right. And I also think like if you just listen to last week's episode, like if it was somebody's first episode, then they're not even writing in. They're just like, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about and they're never listening again. So it's possible people listened and were thrown off by the first like three to five minutes. 
and then just gave up and we'll just never hear from those people. Mm hmm. Yeah, and then if you haven't listened to that episode, this is hopefully a good tease to go in and check it out. I don't think we're ruining anything for you by telling you to check it out. Yeah, and uh, spoiler alert, the episode is backwards for Sunday. Yeah, so there you go. All right, Keith, so today we're talking about the apology. Anything else you want to uh, touch on about the apology before we dive into this? Or about last week's betrayal, you mean? No, I'm talking about this week's. Oh, why would... Oh, anything I want to touch on about this week? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not really. Anything you want to set uh, up? Okay. No, I mean, I, I mean, didn't think that was a crazy question. <laughs> I just, I, I didn't understand what you were referring to. I thought yes. like, I, I didn't, um, no, it's a normal question. Uh, written by Jennifer Crittenden, directed mm-hmm. as always by Andy Ackerman, December 11th, 1997. Uh, but we will get a holiday episode next week. Somewhat of a holiday episode. Yeah. Um, really the only like Hanukkah mention, I think in the whole series. Um, uh, uh, but uh you know this is uh this is it for 1997 this week and next week and we have exactly uh 16 episodes to go starting with today the sweet 16 sweet 16 uh we have james spader here as a uh, stanky hanky how big of a deal is james spader in 1997 i mean judging by the role he's playing not huge yes is that a fair guess but uh, he was treated differently in the credits, where is like uh, and like special guest star James Spader. Like he got like uh, very like where we have a lot of people who are, you know, notable in Seinfeld. A lot of times they're notable for what they do after Seinfeld. But I feel like the show treated him like a bigger deal uh, in terms of the uh, the title sequence. Well, that's an agent thing, right? You You say, hey, can we get Spader for this week? And he says. He doesn't do TV. And then they offer him a few thousand dollars more. And they say, all right, we want the end credit. That's like a, that's a it just means you get more money. And, you know, it, that's an agent thing like the end or also starring. Sometimes if you're not first, a lot of times it's good to be last in the credits. Also, there's a lot of weird credits things. Right. Spader, I'm trying to think of his biggest things. I feel like they've all come post Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, before this, Stargate, I think, was his biggest thing. He, he'd been in a lot. He was really a movie actor, not a sex lies and videotape. He was in uh, Wall Street. But I don't know, like he wasn't the star of most of those. Movies. No, uh, he wasn't mannequin. Uh, pretty. Right, but he, was, he, he was a, a, a film like a movie star, which back then there was much more of a separation mm-hmm. between movies and television, whereas now everyone outside of like. Well, he was a movie pr- actor. I don't know right. if he, was he wasn't the a star. You're anything. right. That's a fair point. Yeah. But still, it would still be slumming for a move a guy who's like the fifth lead or the eighth lead in big movies to go do a one off spot as just like this, you know, dorky guy on a uh, on a sitcom. He's like the bad guy in a lot of stuff. And then he ends up uh, having a, a big run on the practice and Boston Legal uh, with Shatner. And then uh, who could forget the stint as uh, Robert California on The Office? <sighs> I mean, really, it, people are always like, uh, you know, oh, you should do The Office next. And not that we'd ever do The Office after mm-hmm. this. But I mean, if I ever rewatch The Office, like if you paid me to rewatch The Office, I would have my agent, you know, make sure that I didn't have to watch any of the Spader episodes. Yeah. I mean, he was so bad on that show. <laughs> uh, and then The Blacklist was the other uh, big show that he's done since then. So uh, we'll be talking about Spader as a stanky hanky. Yeah, it is a great name. No origin story for why he's stanky hanky, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if your last name is Hanky and you go to elementary school, there's a good chance they're going to you're going to get that nickname, right? 
Yeah. He's another one of these characters that everybody knows. Uh, do we find out how we know Stanky Hanky? No, we don't know other than he's George's friend. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, let's go back to uh, December 11th, uh, 1997 and uh, pick things up where Jerry is at his house making waffles and we end up having a woman come out. Her name is Melissa. And uh, through a lot of uh, trick photography and camera angles uh, that she is going to be. Uh, is she a nudist, Keeve? Would you call her a nudist? I don't think so. because, Well, it, really, the answer to our question would have been there's a scene later in the episode where Kramer, Jerry kicks Kramer out. And literally a second later, she just like waltzes into the room. And I don't think she waltzed in like because Kramer left like. It was a good chance that we were going to have a, uh, you know, like a sighting, like a, you know, an eye to eye between Kramer and, and Melissa. And if she covers herself up, then I'd say the answer is no. And if she's like, hey, Kramer, how's it going? Shakes his hand or oh, something. We almost had the answer to that. We almost had the answer, but I just don't think we have enough information really to answer that question. Yeah, Melissa, the actress who played her, uh, Kathleen McClellan, uh, she did not really go on to do uh, many other things. No, I think she was like Miss USA or Miss Teen USA or something like that, but it yeah. doesn't have a big uh, long IMDb page. Yeah, wow. Um, she ends up uh, being uh, a person who uh, ends up being around Jerry's apartment and naked. We never really see her in the outside world outside of Jerry's apartment in the episode or at Monk's or anything like that. So I, I don't know. Did Jerry know this about her before he got together with her? Well, no, I don't think that's the type of thing you'd know. Yeah, she's just like a groupie that showed up at the comedy club. We don't really get the origin story on her at all. Other no, than the I mean... There's a lot of girlfriends that we don't really have an origin story for, right? I mean, they're only in, she's only in the episode for like five scenes, scenes, and they're yeah. never to be seen again. But we almost right? know nothing about her except that she likes to be naked. Right. We don't know her job. We don't know. Any, right. We like she might be, you know, a great person. Who knows? She's a one note character, which, to be fair, many of Jerry or George or Elaine's, you know, one off boyfriend or girlfriends are not a bad note character. either. No, it's a good note. It's you a good note. That note. Okay. Yeah. All right. I do wonder, like, because there's so little. Um, without sounding too creepy, like there, you know, she has so little uh, heavy lifting, uh, other than like opening pickle jars. But like as an actress, I like what was the casting for this? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, were they right? They, like, were they dressed? I, I I often wonder that. Uh, like in in scenes where you know, in any show or movie where it's you know, this like your primary objective is is like physical, right? Or like right the, to not wear clothes, like. Are they like auditioning you with that? Like, I have no idea if, if someone who knows something more about Hollywood. Like, I don't know. It's not. Yeah. And what was the actual filming of the scene like? What, I mean, what did they do? Because were they in front of the studio audience? Uh, it's a good question. Yeah. So, I'm going to say no. That's a really mm -hmm. good question that I'm. Did they shoot things twice because they had to do sort of like blocking in terms of, uh, you know, with things in the foreground and stuff like that? Here's the thing. It's a really good question. I just I, I the, the, if the writer was Peter Melman, I'd be happy to to tweet at him this question. I tweeted him a question that we'll get to later about last week's episode. And he gave me a very uh, you know clear answer. But uh, this episode written by Jennifer Crittenden, like, I think I have to nominate somebody to like ask the question for. So this is almost like the TSA where we have a question and we don't want to come across as like uh, pervy. So it's like we have a woman. She's gone through the detector. It's like, okay, we need a woman question asker That's exactly to come right. over and ask the question. So there's nothing inappropriate here. We just are looking for facts. We're not trying to 
uh, you know, open up any sort of uh, dodgy conversation. Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you were a woman, uh, the first person who would uh, volunteer to tweet at Jen Crittenden this question without sounding like a huge creep. Well, let's nominate one person, because if we get like uh, 15 women sending her the same question on the same day, then well, I don't want to nominate a woman who I doesn't want to tweet this I, question. Right. And, and I mean, and what are the chances that, you know, uh, the five women that listen to this podcast uh, then suddenly got 10 of their friends to also do this? Five women who listen to the podcast, <laughs> at least like eight. <laughs> No. Well, what do you think? What do you think the gender split is on this podcast in terms of our audience? Do you have any way of knowing? No, right? They don't, you don't get that sort Not of Not really. I, I think it's, it's surprisingly uh, pretty split, I, I feel like. I was going to th- I was going to I thought you were going to say like surprisingly male. No, like, I thought it would be. 80, I, I mean, really. you know, I, I, do you think it's a I mean, I, I'd no. say maybe if I had to guess, maybe I'd say it's 60 40. It's I, it's really hard to say. Like on RHAP, do you have a, do you have an idea? Of like from your like or the you have like all these patrons you ever like break down by the numbers because it is an interesting question is it fifty fifty I had to guess it's close to fifty fifty if it's not fifty fifty yeah I mean the, I'm just going off of the feedback that we get both on social media and yeah. in the email inbox so it's uh tough tough to say but I I think it's uh you know I, I don't think it's super lopsided for RHAP you're saying for this for this oh for this oh because I think for RHAP it's it you know it, it I think it's, it's a pretty well, even split. It's really even um, here. I, I we it seems like we have more men than women. Um, it's all it's certain things like skew male or skew female. Like with the hot takeoff we did in Survivor, mm-hmm. it was like ninety. It was ninety seven percent men sending it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at one point I noticed, oh, we don't have enough women, and then I checked the last fifty emails, and forty seven were for men, <laughs> which is insane if you think about it. Yeah, uh, but maybe women feel less of a need to like send in ridiculous hot takes. <laughs> maybe maybe that's more of a guy's thing uh so going back to uh george and jerry are at monks and uh, jerry is talking about this problem that they're having of that uh she's doing everything naked and uh jerry is talking about uh what it's like and george says this is like you're living in the playboy mansion was, was she frolicking yeah um i, I do think like I I guess that still holds up. People know what it is. It still exists. But no company has fallen more from the 90s to now. What about Enron? uh, Even Enron has like a better chance. Even Enron hasn't fallen as far as Playboy. (laughs) I feel like they have a chance at making a comeback. Yeah. Do you think Enron has a better chance of bouncing back than Playboy? Oh, no question. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Be a good 50 50. Good bet. Yeah. Remember Enron Field and they called it Tenron Field because it was like a hitter's park? <laughs> I don't recall the nickname, but I remember the park. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's a good thing they didn't call it Playboy Field. I mean, I think in the 60s and 70s, it was a much more legitimate company. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we don't need to really do a whole uh, segment now on uh, the uh, rise and fall of uh, Playboy. Of you Hefner. Of you Hefner, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that being said, Jerry and George end up being interrupted by Elaine and Putty. Uh, Putty's back that uh, his apartment's being fumigated. So they're back together. Elaine says, hey, guess who called me last night? Jason Hankey. And George refers to him as Stanky Hankey. And we find out that he has been to AA. Now, he's George's friend, but he called Elaine. Like, what's going on here with Stanky Hankey? I think he's. it just seems more and more as the seasons go on that if you're a friend of one of them, you're a friend with at the bare minimum everyone but Kramer and maybe all four. 
but we haven't seen these people in nine seasons. Right, this bothers me, right? Five, year, five years ago, I, this is the second week in a row they've done this, alluded to something that happened within the time frame of the episode. Like, that should have been an episode, right? I don't understand why Seinfeld didn't, you know, didn't show us the, uh, you know, the, the stanky hanky saying that George had a big, uh, you know, his neck, his head couldn't fit through the sweater. Like, right. What was that in the summer when the show was off? I'm not, we, we say that nothing happens when we're not watching. Right. Does this blow up that theory? No, I mean, maybe that, you know, you ever say like five years ago, but then you look back and it's like, oh, that was 12 years ago. It's probably more like that. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's just along the lines of like where Jerry flashback to Elaine dancing uh, during the timeline of the show. I think it's just uh, the, but they didn't do a flashback. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a fair point. Yeah. So then uh, we hear the story of why George is upset with Stanky Hanky, who is on the ninth step of the 12 step program, which is making amends to people. And so that George was at a party at Stanky Hanky's house and he asked if he could borrow a sweater Jerry says that he asked to borrow a cashmere sweater, and uh, it seems like that uh, missed opportunity to tie back in the cashmere sweater from uh, the red dot, right? Yeah, cashmere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is almost the tie, the tie-in, right? What that it has to be a cashmere sweater? Yeah, just the idea of like bringing up that George loves cashmere is is sort of a callback. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't want Stanky Hanky didn't want George to uh, stretch out the neck hole on the sweater and he had to give him a MetLife windbreaker to wear. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the old like 90s windbreakers or like the like the not not like anything other than the starter jacket was always so dorky. Like all the jackets from the 90s are regrettable. Right. Well, George makes it sound like it was like a giveaway at a Mets game. Well, then I, it would kind of be cool. But I, I also think they were giving away junk back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we then get to go see Elaine back at work and, uh, here she is with her rival Peggy. Can you reset the saga with Peggy? Yeah. I mean, Peggy is, uh, of course from the Susie and she thought Elaine's name was Susie and we never, you know, figured, found out what happened to, to Susie. Um, and that was the only other time we've seen Peggy. So it's weird. We're just like bringing her back in without, there's a lot of people in Elaine's office that they kind of reuse and. Uh, you know, they're not really saying like, oh, hey, here's Peggy. Like they don't allude to her being a wacko from last time. OK. And Elaine and her are in the uh, bathroom and they move this, this accounting department out. They're the only two people that use this women's room. And uh, Peggy is putting a seat protector down on the toilet seat. And this somehow offends Elaine, Keith. Yeah. I mean, this is insane because, yes, they share a bathroom. Let's say there's only two women on the floor. There are multiple floors. I, you know, I have at work, like if I, if you at work in a really big office, like, hey, there's a quiet bathroom on, you know, on the floor below me or above me, like anyone would use that or you're in a meeting on that floor. It's not like they're the only two people who have a key to the bathroom who are allowed to use it. Right. So the idea and it's still like a like a public toilet that's been used for many years, possibly the idea that like you're not allowed to use a seat cover on it is nuts. Yeah. Elaine is really a wacko in this episode. Yeah, and then the show is is on board with that. Like they acknowledge that she's not necessarily in the right here at all. Yeah, that she's really delusional uh, throughout this whole show. Um, Jerry and Kramer are talking, and uh, that Jerry was going to uh, go to lunch with Kramer at the coffee shop, but Kramer needed to take a shower. But Jerry is like just realizing that Kramer takes showers that are an hour. Yeah, I don't know if this has been going on forever or. 
you know, or like just his he's 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 like upping his shower game in this episode. Right. They're getting but stretched out. It's possible he's been stretched out. He's he was like throwing four innings. They send himself down to the shower minors. Now he's back in the majors and throwing complete games. He's developing some bad habits. His swing is getting long. Uh, yes, his swing is getting long. OK, so he starts trying to smell uh, Jerry and Elaine. Uh, because they both take showers that are 10 minutes. And so I like when he goes back in to smell Elaine again. She tells him to back off. But Elaine ends up telling the story about how that uh, her and Peggy are the only women on the floor. She tried to use uh, this seat protector. And so um, Jerry says maybe she's just practicing good hygiene. And uh, Kramer like opens up a soda at this point. And it goes everywhere and he starts cleaning it up. And again, we establish where Elaine says, yeah, you're right. She's probably one of those neurotic clean freaks. Now, it bothers me, Keeve, that yeah. we have a germaphobes anonymous storyline in this episode. And somehow we don't involve Jerry in it. It's a good point. I do think that there are a lot of storylines that could have easily crossed here. Like the like. Yes. Even Melissa. Right. She she's never wearing clothing like and there's a shower storyline five feet away from her. And somehow that doesn't, you know, like J- Kramer's trying to get like Jerry into the shower and somehow that doesn't cross pollinate it like those paths don't cross at all. To me, um, I-, I feel yeah. like that the obvious thing and the obvious way to tie these storylines together is, you know, Jerry's off on an island with good naked and bad naked. And while good naked and bad naked is funny, the way that it ties up where it the you know, it's a kind of a, a cheap joke of like, oh, I, you know, now that she's wearing clothes, I can't stop thinking about her naked. And now she can't stop thinking about me uh, not being naked or right. whatever, however, it's the right, right way to say that. Whereas that uh, you don't think that Jerry, the germaphobe, you know, that that there's nothing unsanitary about this uh, person, this human being walking around his apartment, sitting on his couch and furniture completely naked. That's going to ultimately bother him. Yeah, it's a good point. I do think uh, you definitely could have involved Jerry. And this episode does do a pretty decent job of tying itself together. And that's another point. Also, minus Jerry. This is like minus Jerry. Yes. And and speaking to that, this is like the 10th time recently where Jerry's like girlfriend situation has wrapped up like 16 minutes in, mm-hmm. you know, with or 16 minutes into the 21. Right. Yeah. Where it's like we don't we're not going to bring this to the end of the episode. We need to have like a, a breakup. It's sometimes hard to have a breakup in the final scene or something. So they keep doing this, but I agree. They should have maybe tried a little harder. And this was a compelling, interesting character. I would have had no problem seeing her for one or two more scenes. Keep, um, keep, what? Yeah, careful. Just, uh, you know what I'm I'm being serious, though. Like, she should have been, you know, they could have included her in the ending somehow. Okay, so Jerry and Melissa are playing Scrabble, and she's trying to use the word Zephyr. Can we get a fact check on that? Uh, it sounded like Zephyr, but Zephyr is a word, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not exactly sure what the word was that she was trying to play. And yeah. so uh, she's uh, pretty good at Scrabble. Uh, yeah, I mean, she doesn't spend any time clothes shopping, so she's got more time to play Scrabble. Yeah, and so she goes up to get some more iced tea, and then she ends up choking, and Jerry makes a very disgusted face that he's now seen this uh, naked woman choking. Yeah, not not too concerned with the fact that she was choking, just concerned with the, you know, with the look. The aesthetics of it, right. Yeah. 
So we uh, see Jerry and George talking about it, and uh, Jerry is describing this as, you know, there's all sorts of these muscles and involuntary reflexes that you see when a person is naked. He compares it to uh, that slow motion video of like a fat guy catching a cannonball. And uh, George is upset and, and he calls him out as being a spoiled man. Yeah. And we're a team George here, I think. Yes, uh, I think so. Um, it's really a very first world problem. You know, we've talked about first world problems. And then I said, like, like zero with world problems. Right. Which like goes beyond. I think this is a negative one world problem. Okay. Right. Negative one world problem. Yeah, uh, you're not it's talking like, about the 24th season of Survivor, are you? No, no, no. It's just like it's so beyond the first world or even the zero with world problem we invented a few seasons ago. It's this is this isn't a problem. It's the opposite of a problem. It's a good thing, right? I, that he's finding the tiniest, like most microscopic, like negligible thing and complaining about it. So this is a good example of the fact that Jerry can't be happy. Like as a person, you mean yes. like there's no way for. Yeah, I agree. Like if he can't be happy here, I don't think there's a way he could be happy. I mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. OK, uh, so Jerry sets up here that there's good naked and there's bad naked. Naked hairbrushing, good. Naked crouching, bad. Uh, and uh, with that, we get our first appearance of Stanky Hanky. The Stankster, I like. The Stankster. Uh, he comes in, it's step nine, and he needs to make amends. And so he goes to Jerry and he apologizes for something. Uh, I don't even understand what he's apologizing for. Uh, that uh, He called him Gary. Yeah, he called him Gary. And no one ever realized that, even though Jerry does say he realized. Like, no reason to bring up things like that. Yeah. And then George is all ready for his apology from Stanky Hanky, but uh, he will get nothing. No apology for you. Yeah, no. And it's it's pretty telegraphed, but you, you see it not coming. OK, uh, we go back to Jerry and Kramer. Kramer has tried to speed up his showers and it's not really working. He has suds all over his like neck and then like somehow leaking down his leg. I don't know how that's humanly possible. Suds on your leg? Yeah, like running. Or how like, you don't notice them? How how did you get dressed and you have suds coming down your leg? It, it's like the have only you, way you could do you that. Ever, have you've never gotten in the shower and been like, oh shoot, I missed the spot on my like with shampoo. I mean, Keith, there was like a. It was like you poured a bucket of water down his pants. That was uh, this soap that was running down. It wasn't like oh oh, it's a bubble on my neck. This was that. Yeah, he, no, <laughs> I agree. You, it's easy to miss uh, one small spot, but yeah, a whole basically half a bottle of shampoo. I agree. Right. Like he had a water balloon in his pocket. Yeah. OK. Uh, Kramer needs to figure out what he's doing wrong here. He needs to he needs to figure it out. So Jerry takes him into the bathroom and, and uh, walks him through a shower dry run. He wants Jerry to turn the water on, but uh, Jerry is not into it. Right. I mean, does he want to go in with him? It's not clear. It's not clear. And uh, George comes in to say that Stanky Hanky has moved on to step 10. He is uh, taking personal inventory. Uh, yeah, he's never coming back to step nine. He's not coming back. Uh, and uh, Jerry's had enough. He ends up walking out of the bathroom. Uh, Kramer says that this was a, uh, a all one big tease. He wanted to see some skin. He wanted to see Jerry's skin. Jerry's skin. Now, haven't they showered together at the gym? Oh, yeah. I, I, this To me, like, well, that Kramer has uh not he has no knowledge of this yeah but i think he was he might have been he he was checking him out right but he wasn't checking at his like how he physically he like his shower routine his method so i think 
Yeah. So now he's, you know, now he wants to like come back and study his method. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so going into, uh, Elaine's office, uh, she is, uh, doing a meeting with Peggy and another guy and Elaine touches, uh, Peggy's water bottle and, uh, Peggy has to immediately put the bottle of water into the garbage. Yeah. This is an underrated, really funny scene. Yeah, it is funny, but she, Elaine touched the, the outside cap. Is this a real thing? I think she, at this point, she's just so horrified by, uh. But, you know, Peggy's so horrified by Elaine that she's throwing out anything Elaine's bringing to touch it at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so it's a very, very upsetting for Elaine because then the other guy, do we know his name? Uh, the other guy in the room with them? Yeah. That we see Walter, right? Walter. Uh, that he hands his bottle of water over to Peggy and then uh, who, who needs more water. And then she just immediately drank drinks it. Keith, I understand that Peggy thinks that Elaine might be a little bit of a skanky hanky, if you will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but that explain to me that she's a germaphobe, but she'll drink this guy in the office's water. Right. So, right. So you could say now, oh, maybe she's not a germaphobe. She's just an Elaineophobe. But we find out she actually is a germaphobe, right? Mm-hmm. So unless she's just going through with the whole charade just to not like offend Elaine the even more. The germaphobe is not drinking uh, Walter's water. Right. I think the number one thing that germaphobes don't do is like share liquids with other people, right? Right. Uh, I'm not drinking, you know, some some guy's water. You're not, Rob. Let me tell you, if, you know, we, we hang out one day and uh, you have a bottle of water and you're like, oh, I'm throwing this out. Like, I'll finish your water for you. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. You're oh, healthy, wow. right? Yeah. I mean, like, what? By the way, you shouldn't finish mine, but there's no reason I shouldn't finish yours. <laughs> I feel like that's it's a good decision for both of them. Yeah, I mean uh, that if you're gonna do it with anybody, like I feel like that uh, this is a pretty safe uh, bottle of water over here. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, like honestly, considering like how little exercise I get and like what terrible, you know, t- care I take of myself and like eating wise. That also, would be healthy. I could only get healthier by drinking your water. I could only get like stronger and 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 you know and like yeah. That's it. Well, because one, it would be water and not Coke Zero. That's true. I do. I like Coke Zero bottles pile up in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so we see George at Monks and uh, Stanky Hanky is trying to get a job or he's um, talking with a bunch of guys about uh, his uh, position, right? About uh, potentially moving uh, and getting another job. Yeah, which we see he does, right? Because he's on the second day at, at, you know, at the job at the Baskin Robbins. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that he is like, uh, who are these guys? I don't know, but he does say the pay is good at the ice cream. <laughs> okay, at Baskin Robbins. Okay, and so George comes in and he tells, uh, he tells uh, Stanky Hanky, "Hey, I need that apology. You have to do it." Yeah, and the truth is, like, when you think anyone who's bad or wacky in this in this season, or anyone who the this, the core four does wrong. You think, hey, like, should they have been part of the trial in the finale? Mm -hmm. And to me, while George does lead Hanky back to alcoholism and and rageism, uh, like Hanky should just apologize. And he is a jerk to George. So it really goes. Usually it's one way or the other. But here it really goes both ways between George and Hanky. Yeah. And so George is upset. He had to get that uh, windbreaker. And uh, it turns out that Hanky says, no, you would have stretched out the neck hole. And uh, George says, you're an alcoholic. You have to apologize. Yeah. And Hanky just leans, you know, rips right into him even more. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, he says, I'm so sorry. I didn't want your rather bulbous head struggling to find its way through the normal size neck hole of my finely knit sweater. Does George have a big head? I, I don't think it's the big. It's like a cartoonishly big head. It's probably above average. I don't think it's that big. Yeah. Wasn't this how the mean breaker upper tried to break up with yeah. Elaine said that she had a big head? I mean, uh, why is this such a big insult in the Seinfeld writers room? Right. I don't know why they must have known someone. There must have been someone like on the crew that had a big head that they always teased or something. How like, would you know if back. you have a big head? I, I saw like someone recently. I never noticed they had a big head. And I am like, looked at him. I'm like, oh, my God, he has like an enormous head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had no idea. And then I said to my wife, like, oh, that person has an enormous head. And she's like, so do you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's what she said. And I didn't even know. I, I never once in my life, even though I've seen this episode. Not letting you borrow a sweater. Yeah, I don't think it would fit on me. <laughs> I, I've i never once in my life thought about like the size of my head. Like maybe I, I had like a fitted hat once in a while, but like I never, I never thought about it. And she said it. And now I'm like self-conscious. Like, oh, my God, I have a big head. I, I didn't. I, not, I just assumed I had a normal head or someone would have like teased me about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and you didn't know that the call was going to be coming from inside the house. It was going to be your wife. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I'm getting bullied by my wife. <laughs> All right, so Kramer's at the YMCA. He's uh, watching guys shower. Now, this is funny. I mean, this is cartoonish, but funny. He's literally taking notes. Why is he wearing a jacket? I'm not sure, right? He <laughs> should just be in the shower with them. He's not like, you know, bashful. It doesn't make sense, right? I mean, even if he's going to get down to like his street clothes, I don't know why he's wearing his jacket in the shower with them. It's true. It's creepier, though. Like if he was in the shower and writing notes, then people would just assume he was like a wacko who writes who's like writing something in the shower. <laughs> the fact that he's there dressed makes it like more obvious that he's just there to like basically be a perv. Yeah. Well, also, when somebody says to him, hey, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm watching you, too. Uh, but this guy's really showing me something. Yeah. No, uh, there was no chance he didn't get a black guy in the shower. Yeah. So he gets punched out. He shows up at Jerry's place and uh, he's looking for a steak to put on his eye. And then uh, he wants uh, a one steak sauce because he is going to be uh, cooking a different steak. Yeah. Steve, are you a steak sauce guy? You know, I, I think steak sauce is neutral. It's fine to me, but it doesn't it's not bringing that much to the table. What about you? I would say if you have a terrible steak, uh, I think that it can be a a lubricant to help you get through that meal. But if you have a good steak, uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, like, you know, you suppose you go to like a really nice restaurant. It's like on both ends. It's like you Mm -hmm. go to like a super fancy restaurant and then, okay, let me try the steak sauce. Or you're in like the worst, having the worst steak of your life. And you're like, hey, let me yeah. get the steak sauce. Anything in between, you don't need it. I agree. I'm, I'm with you 100%. What my, the first steak that got cut or the last steak that got cut from the hot takeoff is that steak is the most overrated food. Mm, where do you stand on that? No, that was my take. So that I, was I your stand take. firmly. Yeah, that was my, it was my 11th take. I cut it. Um, <laughs> it, to me, it's just, it's steak is great. I think it's weird that like every like super upscale restaurant you go to, it's like expected. You order the steak. And it's just like, you know, you need the sharp knife. And it's like, why do I need like if like I don't spend so much time cutting this meat? And uh, like to me, I just think it's one taste. It's really good. But if you had like, you know, like a more advanced dish with like a bunch of things going on to me, that beats a steak. But it's just, you know, assume that you go to this super fancy restaurant, you have to order the steak. I think it's a little outside the box, but I think it's generally a cold take. Well, if it's a cold steak, then it's, it's a cold, literally it's a cold steak, cold take. Yeah, then I'm right. And that's uh, that's zero. You know, right. Why? What would be your number one meal to go out to? I mean, that's a hard question. I, my point is that I don't like steak. I certainly would still order mm-hmm. a steak. 
Um, my point is that it shouldn't like it shouldn't be assumed you are a steak. But if I do go to a restaurant like that and they have some sort of short ribs on the menu, also I go with the short ribs, not the steak. Okay, um, I'm a ribs guy. Ribs guy. Ribs is too much work. Ribs is a lot of work. I don't mind getting messy. It's not like I'm on a first date, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. after 13 years. Like, she's seen me literally on on one of our, like, the first time we ever, like, went out to a nice restaurant. I got, I ate, like, like fettuccine Alfredo with my hands. <laughs> Why? It was all over my, not literally, but yeah. I just had, like, a, I had a bad time with it. Like, it was, it was all over me by the end of the meal. I was just, like, striking out, trying to, and luckily it wasn't literally our first date, because she was, like, cracking up at me and very embarrassed to be seen with me. Okay. Well, we then have this moment where you said that uh, Kramer just misses seeing uh, the naked Melissa walk by. And uh, we see that she has now fixed Jerry's bicycle. Yeah. So maybe she is like super handy and, you know, who, she might be an interesting person. We don't know anything about her. Maybe. But I, I am starting to buy into that she's a nudist. I, I just think like being with your significant other or not super significant because they've probably only known each other for a week and they're about to break up. But like. I, I think it's a different it's a different thing than just like going to some creepy beach with like a bunch of strangers. Okay, so tell me this: uh, Did they just engage in uh, sexual congress? See, it's hard to know because she's always like this. So, like, did she come over and just gets naked, or does she come over? They do their thing and she stays naked. Yeah, it's a good question, right? I think. I think it's like she comes over, they do it, and then, like, because she's, they haven't done it in a while, right? She's been fixing a bike. What is Jerry wearing? I need to see uh, what Jerry's wearing. Did, like, is Jerry back fully dressed? I feel like that's weird. Except it, except it's in character for Jerry. For, like, you or I, it would be weird. But for Jerry, like, to be in his Jerry clothes, I think is normal. So it's like the more, is it the morning? Is it the afternoon? It, it feels afternoonish, right? So, uh, I mean, I need to go back and see what Jerry is wearing. Is Jerry just wearing a T-shirt and jeans? Okay, I get that. Is he putting on, like, buttoning up a shirt and tucking it back in? I'm not sure. Okay. This is a good question. To I think we're, we're on to something. Um, also, uh, that we see that Melissa has a toe ring. Are people still doing toe rings? We talked about the belly piercings uh, last week. Are people still doing toe rings? I don't know. I don't know if toe rings were ever big. Yeah. Well, when they were big, it was right around the era that it, I think if you if you got a pierced navel, I think you also had to have a toe ring. I think that those two things were very much, uh, you know, that you'd get them in the same place. It was a two for one deal at the uh, piercing store. for two, sure. Two for one thing. Yeah. I feel like that toe jewelry, not nearly as big as it used to be. And I don't even think it was ever that big. I just think it's gone from like a two to a one. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I think it was at least a four at one point. Of toe, I mean, when like I, I do think some of these things were really big back in the day, like mm. way like thousands of years ago. But thousands I don't think those years were ago. Big. Well, I, I don't well, know yeah, about but, thousands of years ago. Yeah. And like the Bible, there's a lot of piercings. OK, well, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. But I, I, I just think toe rings have never been never been huge, but they might make a comeback. We should really like bet big on toe rings and mm. buy a lot of like toe ring apparel. And when it comes know. when it comes back in. We're going to be the guys to like swoop in and make, you know, does Gen Z like toe ring? Gen Z? Who's Gen Z? Generation Z. Oh, Gen Z. I thought you meant like Jennifer Z. Me, Lance. No, no. No. Does Gen Z? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I've got a couple sisters who are Gen Z. I could ask them if they're toe rings. That would be a weird question. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to look at my dad on Twitter. (laughs) 
Uh, I found an article uh, from June 2014 that's called uh, An Open Letter to Anyone Wearing Foot Jewelry. That's the same month we started this podcast. Yeah, it's possible that foot, we we came in and foot jewelry went right out. Yes. Yes. We killed it. I just think there was only room for us or toe rings. Okay. And like when we came in, there was no more room for toe rings. Here you go, Keeve. This is from Glamour.com from October mm-hmm. 4th, 2012. They said, uh, fashion flashback, fess up if you wore a toe ring. If you were raised on Clueless and Nirvana and my so-called life, chances are you wore a toe ring without a trace of irony at least once in your life. Uh, remember these things? Mine was a simple silver band acquired on a summer trip to Israel, and I never once removed it between 1997 and 1999-ish. So we are. this is the height of the toe ring era. Who knew? We're in, we're in toe ring central. Okay, that's, that's good to know. Hammer toe time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lock lock it up. Yeah, so there you go. So uh, belly rings and toe rings. Uh, it's the late nineties. We're doing yeah, yeah, it. There was before that. You like now people are too busy like actually doing fun stuff on the internet. Back then, when you actually had to go outside, I guess people got piercings because they were bored. Got piercings and put rings on their toes, so that uh, mm-hmm. that much like Melissa and fix bicycles. I mean, now right now they would just sit there for years because it would be like, now why would I fix bicycles when I could just you know refresh Twitter? Right. When I could uh, take a city bike wherever I need to go. City bike's still in? I feel <laughs> like they're the toe rings of the 90s. <laughs> that, I don't know. Especially as Uber's gotten bigger. I don't know. I'm not sure if city bikes are still big. Okay. Well, I don't know. Were they ever big? I mean, they like, they came in with a splash. They got a lot of PR. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to ride a bike, so I hope they go out. I, I want no one riding bikes. Okay. So uh, we see Elaine with Peggy. Elaine tries to get to the bottom of what's going on with Peggy. Uh, Peggy says that you seem to be with a lot of men. Uh, which is an interesting observation. Right. She's trying to dance around it and hide from the fact that she's grossed up by Elaine. But I guess when confronted, she's very, you know, very like, but there's like, does Peggy maybe think that Susie's really the one who's with a lot of guys? Mm. Yeah, that the Susie uh, fiasco seems to have uh, gone by the wayside. Yeah, but Peggy's dumb. Like we established that, right? She doesn't know the difference between Elaine and Susie who might not exist. Yeah. Anyway, Elaine gets upset. Uh, so she ends up taking Peggy's keyboard, rubs it on her butt, uh, and then uh, she puts her stapler in her armpit and starts coughing on her doorknobs. Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, it's a horrible thing to do. No, I don't recommend doing it to your coworker, but it's funny as a television show. Okay. Uh, Jerry and George uh, are talking and, uh, you know, George describes what Stanky Hanky did that he says he felt like the straight man in some horrible sketch. He was riffing. Uh, do you think that this is a relatable experience that George is talking about, that he felt like the straight man in a horrible sketch? No, this is a writer's room. Joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is like an experience that uh, the writers, uh, you know, might be unique to them. Yeah, this is one for one for them, one for us. This is the one for us, us <laughs> being them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Jerry and George are talking about uh, what's going on with Melissa. And uh, Jerry is really not having it. Uh, she uh, tried to open a uh, pickle jar. Yeah, and I agree. This, if there is bad naked, this is it. What? They're trying to open a pickle jar? Oh yeah, it's it was it was rough. <laughs> okay, George says uh, he has a bright idea, much like with the spite breakup of the dermatologist. He gives Jerry the idea of, hey, you still have that belt sander? Why don't you show her bad naked? Why the hell does Jerry have a belt sander? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people wrote in and asked that. I don't know. It's it, there's no way. Like, I guess someone like Kramer had to have left it at his house or something. That's my I mean, only guess. 
And isn't that a terrible idea to break out a belt sander when you're completely naked? Uh, I mean, yes, I guess. I don't really like understand what a belt sander is or does, but yeah, I'd assume so. Right. Uh, the, the, not ideal for me. I mean, you wear goggles when you use a belt sander. Uh, yeah. So why is there because there's a lot of sawdust? I mean, yeah, what, whatever you're sanding is going to be like, uh, it doesn't just like uh, vaporize, like the, it's just like uh, stuff starts flying everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad idea. I agree. I'm with you for many reasons. This was a bad idea by Jerry. Okay. All right. Uh, so Kramer calls up. I think this is a, kind of a funny line where he says, hey, Jerry, guess where I'm calling from? Jerry instantly says, World War One plane? Yeah. No, right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty clearly a shower, but right. I, I get the joke. Right. So Kramer has now set up that he has a waterproof shower and he's doing a bunch of other stuff uh, that he's ordering chinos from a J. Crew catalog as well. Uh, anything that you see in Kramer's shower that you like in this episode? Well, I do like I, I like the idea of ordering chinos from a J. Crew catalog. That's like I'd say that's the most dated thing of the episode. But um, besides the towing. No, I, G- George is about to use the words bebopping and scatting a couple times. So that's more dated. Yeah. The, later on in the episode that uh, Kramer is going to have like some post-its up in the shower of like call mom, uh, call Lomez. Uh, so <laughs> I do like what they set up in uh, Kramer's shower. Uh, but Kramer is, uh, you know, uh, going to find out that life is not all it's cracked up to be constantly in the shower. Uh, who knows? But you should just live in the shower. No, you shouldn't. All right. Uh, Peterman has a meeting. Bad news, everybody. Peggy's sick. She got sick. Yeah. And is she really sick in the end? She's not, right? She's just like Jeremy sick. I don't know. What do you think? Did, did she actually come down with something or is this just like a, a manifestation? Manifestation. It's in her head. Okay. Doctors they, couldn't find anything if they ran tests. Well, they said that she took a turn for the worse. So I don't know how necessarily like has she uh, just once ha- it gets into your head. You, you ever have one of these sick things or, you know, someone who's like, oh, I'm so sick. And they just play it up for three days when really they could have gone to work or whatever. Okay. Uh, so Elaine explains, look, listen, Peggy is a wacko. She thinks that I made her sick because I coughed on her doorknob. I rubbed my stapler on her armpit. I put her keyboard on my butt. She's a wacko. Yeah. <laughs> this is, a, you know. Elaine, uh, I do think like that they're the core four is slipping a little bit as yeah. we get to like the mid part of season nine. It's like, whereas in the, you know, the first seven or eight seasons, it was like, okay, these are, you know, normal people and you have to really like squeeze sometimes to see how bad they are. Now we're just outright monsters half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's not something that we necessarily noticed in the first go around, but, uh, and, and maybe that's like where the, uh, the Puerto Rican day parade was like a warning. <laughs> you know possible. what i mean like where it's like yeah. thing, like things are getting worse and worse and worse and then it's like that the audience didn't realize that like oh wait hold on like uh this is an isolated incident uh that's crossing the line here it's like no they've been trying to tell you for a long time that these people are uh, uh monsters yeah no i agree but i i i think had we really been paying attention all along during like when you know in 1997 when the show was actually on the air right the clues were there the clues are there. It's, it's all there. And so I like George meeting with uh, Stanky Hanky's sponsor, who George feels like is his supervisor or manager in some way. Well, I think he just doesn't know the word for sponsor. Right. But he acts like, well, you're his boss, right? Right. I mean, the sponsor sponsee relationship. Who knows how that works? I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. Keeps, you feel like you have an addiction. Uh, my wife would say I do. Yes. What is it? Sports? Uh, parenting. Too much. I, I'm, too, I'm too much parenting. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, 
She would say sports is an addiction, but I think she would say in the, uh, to the Internet. To the, addicted to the Internet. OK. Yes, that's what she says all the time. Unironically, she says it seriously. Hmm. What about you? I don't think I suffer from any addiction. I, I think if you were going to ask my wife, I think that you she would say that I'm more obsessive, compulsive about things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wouldn't say that I'm at the stage of a disorder. It could like teeter to that direction. but. Um, you know, I, I really don't have, uh, you know, any vices that I would say I have an addiction. What about your work? Are you obsessed with your work? I, I guess you could you could say that people uh, usually get a pass on their work. I feel like being a hard worker is almost universally considered a positive quality. Yeah. In, you know, honestly, like our society, especially like at this point in my life, like if, I, if I'm not working, I kind of don't know what to do with myself. Like I can like for like yeah. a few, if I have plans, but like mm-hmm. if I just had like a weekend of like, OK, I don't have anything to do. I think I would you be- use work to get out of things when you don't want to do something like, oh, got to record a podcast then. Mm, like, well, give me an example of something I would get out of. Like, uh, you know, hey, my uh, my friend's coming over. She's bringing her husband. Uh, I want oh, yeah. you to meet them. Yeah. 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 That's it. You're, you're calling up. Uh, hey, uh, Kidwell, let's schedule a, a new and big brother emergency podcast. Well, I wouldn't necessarily schedule a podcast, but there's like at any given point, there's just like, you know, a backlog of like emails I could be answering. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, obviously there's always stuff you could do even without physically. Right. So I just like uh, would say like, well, I I could if it's if it's not something that I want to do, I I feel like, well, you know, at least like this is like helping my business by doing this as opposed to like doing this really boring thing that I don't even want to be doing in the first place. Like, it's a good right. motivator the, to get something productive done. It's true. And you could also, like, you spin it around. Like, you see this house? Mm-hmm. See the Yonanas in the fridge? Yeah. Well, you know, she we hates know where that Yonanas, came from. But yeah. I know. But yeah. you see the, the, you know, the avocado toast in the fridge? It doesn't work. You know uh, I, I've, tri- I've tried that. It doesn't work uh, with me either. Trust it, go, me. It, it, it gets work. turned right back around to, uh, well, I work too, you know. Yeah, I don't hear that. I yeah. actually, I don't get that response. Yeah. So it's, uh, there's no, uh, no way to win. Um, so George is trying to tell the sponsor that Stanky Hanky uh, should get dropped down. He should go drop him down to step two. I do know. Like, I don't know the steps offhand. Well, apparently that's uh, admit there's a higher power. And George yeah, seems like, like uh, yeah, let him chew on that for a while. Um, yeah. Offhand, I could not name any of the, high, the steps, but I know the higher power. That's a famous one. Like apologizing. That's a famous one. Yeah. Um, but some of them are, I think, are less, less famous. Okay. Uh, we should. I wish it I seems had, to be like, very God oriented. I don't. I didn't know anything. I don't know anything about AA. It seems I didn't know how religious it was. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have come in and like had the twelve steps and then made up some fake steps and how you had to guess uh, what were the real steps and what weren't. Yeah, I, sh- I should have done that. And it's the, none of them are three words. They're all like uh, mm-hmm. they're all like a full sentence or two. But I had no uh, powerlessness is one great power over like. And there's a lot of like capital G God and capital P power. It's very religious. Who knew? Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Uh, if it, if it helps, it helps. No, I'm not knocking it. I just didn't. I didn't know that it was a religious program. Um, and I don't know. And there's Al-Anon and AA. I don't know if the steps are the same. I assume they're the same for both. Yeah. Um, like they're the same for both. Is it is AA? Is it a Christian thing? Could you be? Uh, are there Jewish people in AA? Yeah. No, I don't think. I, I think it's like a non-denominational God. If that makes sense, okay. that's what it looks like. You know. Yeah. Who knew? That's what. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, I do like at the end of the scene where George is like saying, by the way, uh, my uncle was an alcoholic and is like fist bumping the uh, right. sponsor. Right. He's trying to be like, I'm one of you. 
Okay. So uh, it's time to see uh, Kramer. He's in the shower and uh, he notices a, a clog in the drain. This drain is getting pretty gross at this point. Yeah. Um, things are backing up. Kramer's getting a lot of stuff done in there, but he needs uh, something powerful in the shower. Um, that Should Kramer have the, the high pressure shower head also? You, because he's in there the whole day, you think you should go to like a much lower, like casual no, shower I'm saying head? No, that, that continuity-wise, uh, does he... Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think if you had a high-pressure shower head here, it would like blow you like away eventually. Right, it would hurt him. It, doesn't the skin, you know, like if, if, you're, if your hands are wet for like a long time? Right. Or I guess if you spend a long time in the shower, like your skin starts like doing weird things. I can only imagine what happened to Kramer's skin by the end of this episode. Well, Kramer spends a lot of time in the hot tub and then he's in the shower. So maybe his uh, skin is used to it. May, I mean, does your skin ever get used to just like soaking in water? We're not like fish. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Kramer is possible. Maybe Kramer's a fish. Ooh, that could answer a lot of questions. We'll, we'll <laughs> yes. run with that hypothesis for the rest of the series. Mutant Kramer fish, fish properties. Sure. I mean, he does swim in the, in the dirty river, right? Yeah. That seems like a fish thing to do. Well, I know that's where he got mutated. Ooh, <laughs> so he was a person and now he's like a merman yeah all right uh so um, melissa is naked on the couch jerry comes by with the belt sander she shuts it down immediately uh she says uh nope this is not good naked so she gets new good naked bad naked she does she knows about it you know just the same as jerry she didn't even have to hear it from him well then why is she opening the pickle jar? does she not have a concept of what her own good naked is and bad naked or she's over i mean i think she's She's along. She uh, she has the same theory as Elaine, which is guys know women. Yes. But why is that good naked, bad naked? Like uh, is good naked for Jerry only disrobing in the bedroom or to take a shower? I guess. Right. I guess she's sort of getting the best of both worlds. I guess if you look like her, she in her mind, there's no she's a shot no caller. Bad time. Right. Yes. OK. So the sponsor ends up bringing George to a meeting, uh, but not the Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, he brings George to Rageaholics Anonymous. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this is a real thing either. Is Rageaholics Anonymous a real thing? I believe it looks like, you know, they have a website. What was the other anonymous we, we asked about at the beginning of the, of the episode? Yeah. So germaphobes, if they have one, it's not by that name. But Rage of, Rageaholics is, is certainly a real thing. To me, once we introduce the idea of Rageaholics Anonymous, it feels like a missed opportunity that we don't get Frank Costanza involved with this, especially. He should just be like in the scene in the corner, right? He should just be there. That would be funny. Even if he doesn't speak, if he's just in the meeting, especially coming off of everything with uh, Serenity now. It feels like that this is ground that the Costanza family has traveled before. I agree. But then the argument in the writer's room then might be like, is it too similar? Like if we involve Frank, we just had a Frank Rage episode. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like there should be some mention of Serenity now or anything like that? I do think you could get a quick Serenity now in there. I think it would have been a good call. Even the person who is like speaking at the podium, say like, oh, you know, I tried to do Serenity now. That didn't help. Like, I feel like to just to tie those things together, I think would have been good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They should have. It, there should have been some Frank callback. Here. That being said, George is now also a lunatic from this point on in the episode. I mean, George has, I'd say, above average rage issues generally, but he's not like a total crazy person usually. But I, I he can snap. And I think it's fair that he snapped here because he just he, he you know, he can't get the I'm sorry that he's looking for from Stanky Hanky. Right. But he says to the leader of the Rageaholics Anonymous meeting, uh, excuse me, am I talking to you, pinhead? Am I pinhead? You think it's out of character? Yeah, a little bit. What is he, Don Rickles? 
Yeah, it is a little Ricklesy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he ends up yelling that he's losing it. Uh, and then uh, Jerry and George are in monks. And so they're talking about this. And George is still ranting about how the universe is mad at him. They want him to bottle it up. It makes him so mad. Yeah. Again, this is another opportunity. We could have had a, a Serenity Now situation. Okay. All right. Uh, so Elaine ends up coming in and then uh, talking about the good naked, bad naked. What's wrong with Jerry's body? She says chicken wing shoulder blades. Yeah. I wonder if that's like actually a Jerry Seinfeld uh, characteristic. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, and so Jerry is trying to explain how he was walking around naked and Elaine shuts that down. Walking around naked. That's not a good look for a man. Right. She's on team guys. No girls. Yes. Right. Uh, Keeve in a post gender society. Uh, is mm. this a, a too cold of a take from Elaine? Well, the, now the question would be, you know, the state, your statement would be like everyone should be the same. So the question is, should everyone be wearing clothes or nobody? And I think the answer is everybody. Mm. Everybody should. Yeah, because like the good, you know, parts of like seeing someone attractive are far outweighed by the like bad parts of seeing someone that you don't want to say. <laughs> right. Uh, so Elaine is saying that the uh, female form is a work of art. Uh, the male form. No, uh, she says that it's uh, uh, hideous. The hair, the lumpiness, it's Simeon. Uh, and we will see uh, how Simeon it is later. She says that I thought you were going to say opening weekend of the football season. We'll see how Simeon the Broncos are. Yeah, well, I guess I guess that too. Uh, if he's wearing a uniform or not. And so um, she says it's utilitarian, like getting around uh, like a Jeep. It's not a bad uh, sort of uh, analogy. Yeah, I like George says, well, some women like it. And he says, yeah, sickies. Sickies. Maybe Peggy likes it. She's sicky. Maybe Peggy uh, likes it. Although as such a germaphobe, I'm not sure if that's the case. Yeah, she might be like a never nude. Yeah. A uh, good rant, though, from Elaine. Yeah, yeah. Good. Elaine does a good job in this episode. She does a good job. Okay. Uh, Kramer is uh, trying to install garbage disposal in uh, his bathroom. He ends up calling a putty who just is seemingly uh, sitting by the phone in Elaine's apartment. Yeah. Putty doesn't seem like he does a lot of like, uh, you know, like he like, again, it's pre-internet. Maybe he's not. He doesn't seem like a TV guy. He does like the devils. So maybe when the devils aren't on, he just sits and thinks. Yeah. And so he wants to install the garbage disposal in the shower. I, I don't know how this is possible to install this garbage disposal into the shower. Yeah, I mean, it's over my head. I don't I don't know anything about mechanics. Like, I don't know where the stuff goes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I don't even I barely know what a garbage disposal is. Like, okay. I'm, I'm a big dummy. All right. I would be terrified of, like, getting my toe stuck in the garbage disposal. Yeah, that that's a fear for sure. Yeah. Or my toe ring could fall off either. Yeah. Yeah. Or or get stuck and then your whole thing gets chopped off. Yeah. Right. Between that and the and the, the sand belt whatever thing jerry wears no it could you could have had a lot of mishaps in this episode the garbage disposal is horrifying because that uh you know uh nine times out of ten after my wife walks away from the sink that she has like there are things she will never look in the garbage disposal before you know like walking away like there's, there's always a spoon in there there's something so i'm always the one that i constantly have to stick my hand in there and then I'm always afraid that it's like a horror movie of uh, I'm going to get my fingers chopped off. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it is very scary, uh, but no, but not scary enough for anybody else to ever say like, oh, let me make sure nothing falls in there. Right. Just just scary. They enough don't for them care. To say, hey, you know, everybody else is just willy nilly. Just throw stuff in there. If it falls in there. Hey, look, he's got he's got another hand. I and mean, They're just testing you at this point. They're just like throwing in random stuff. <laughs> right. Right. The whole universe is against me. OK, uh, so. 
uh, Elaine is uh, coming in. She talks to Putty and uh, Putty says that she owes money for a balloon for Peggy and uh, says how Peggy is still blaming her. And uh, Putty says that uh, he knows about uh, germaphobe. He knows what that's about. A balloon bouquet. Is that a 90s thing also? That doesn't no, sound I like something that, someone would want. But I mean, maybe to call it a balloon bouquet, but it just just balloons. I don't know. I don't want balloons. If I'm ever like really, really sick. No, who wants have, balloons? Like, RHAP send me like a bunch of balloons. Okay. Let me hold on. So don't. Don't send. send yeah. If I'm like in the hospital or something. Eva balloon. <laughs> balloon bouquet. Now I know I'm getting a balloon. What about bouquet? one balloon? Uh, no, no balloons or no balloon bouquet? What does the balloon say? Get well soon. Nah, they gotta be, you gotta, you gotta come up with something better than that. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't really get to make up your own balloon unless you like just write on it with a marker. Yeah, write on it with, buy a, buy a blank balloon. That's hard to say. Yes. Buy a blank balloon. Blank balloon. And then, uh, and then write on it, um, you know, hopefully. My, my biggest fear would be like, let's say we had like three episodes to go with this podcast and then I get like really sick and something happens to me. Yeah. Well, should I finish with Chester or wait for you? The, what's your living will? I mean, no, obviously, if I'm still alive, you have to wait for me. Okay. What if don't you're like, don't like if I go to the hospital with like the flu, you can't you can't like sure, just finish. Sure. Sure. But what if you're like, in a coma? I didn't know if you were if I'm in a coma. There's a good is a good Seinfeld conundrum. Yeah. What kind of coma is it? Uh, well, you're you know, more medical jargon than I do. I don't know any medical jargon. Um, I think I think six months in the coma, you can move on. I don't know. Like you, you don't have to pick Chester. You can pick anyone. It's just like the final three episodes. I, I got sick once when uh, Lost had like a few episodes left. Yeah. And I remember being really nervous that like, what if I like, I was always thinking like, what if I die? And then like, I, I just don't know how Lost ends. Like back in hindsight. Yeah. But I then in the sideways died. universe, you'd get to see how it finished. Right. Uh, if I get to go to the sideways universe, <laughs> who knows I could have gone anywhere. But I like in hindsight, I should have just died. Like, like it wasn't worth, <laughs> wasn't worth finding out what happened. Yeah. Lost. It was actually like a net negative to find out. Well, maybe what next time. Like next time losses on the air and I'm dying. But I did think like, what if like I'm like really like not going to make it would like Damon or Carlton, you know, like give me tell me what happens Would they. And it happens to be to uh, like th this happened years after I thought that there was like a sick child who yeah. like, was a big Star Wars fan. Yes, yeah, Star Wars. Um, but but I but I, I thought I did like I did think of it well before that happened. I'm not, I'm not okay. playing off that. But but it did happen. And I believe they even showed the kid the movie, which was very Okay. Um, so do you want to write a screenplay about somebody that's like this like super nerdy fan that like fakes like a terminal illness to get to see the movie like a day early? And the, but then what's his what's his reasoning for I, I have this vision in my head now of like Damon and Carlton like bring me coming to New York and showing me the movie and showing me the, like the two hour finale. And at the end, I'm like, what? The, what is there an airplane? What? Like what? This, this sucked, guys. Like, can you do like, can you try again? And just like ragging on them. And eventually they just like pull the plug on me and they leave. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a very dark uh, finish to that story. But, no, but um, like, I, I like the idea, but I think we need to spruce it up. Like, what, what am I, how am I benefiting from seeing this movie a day early? Okay. Like, what's the, it seems like more of a TV episode than a full movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, right. I think, like, if it's a feature film, like, why am I, what's the pitch? What's it called? If I'm just, Tricking people to seeing a movie a week so you early, can pretending then to be make bets on it with people about what's going to happen. I guess, but in this world, like, aren't there spoilers? Like, can't isn't everything like if you like go to the right movie website? No, you I don't have, think. Like, I, well, stuff when the, that's on lockdown. I don't know if there if there were like lost finale spoilers. Right, the lost finale. There were not. I'm sure there was like pictures of like press photos, or whatever. But 
there weren't spoilers. And speaking of, uh, you know, to get it back to the show we actually should be talking about, um, Seinfeld. And again, this is so early Internet that like maybe in some corner there existed, but it was a big deal. People, tr- you know, wondering about spoilers and every day in the newspapers, it was like, hey, no spoilers have broken out or there would be fake news like, you know, uh, you know, this, this story is really going to be about X and they were wrong. No one had any clue. They really kept it on lockdown. Okay. So it's a good job. Kind of back into Seinfeld. Good job. OK, uh, let's go back to Putty has a germaphobe uh, necklace for completing the germaphobe uh, anonymous program. Uh, yeah. I mean, does everyone just give you a necklace? I guess so. Uh, I do love that she's like looking at this and she's like, uh, what is the symbol? He's like, it's a germ. Yeah, it's funny. OK, so we see Peggy with Putty and they're having a talk about uh, this uh, germaphobe problem and peggy says she doesn't have a problem with germs um yeah she's in denial yeah putty says that 10 years ago uh waking up in bed next to a woman like this would have sent me running yeah um i do like that they're just ragging on elaine while she's right there yeah talking about her slippers uh and then elaine gets mad and breaks up with putty for the rest of the day um so we go back to jerry and melissa and this is where that uh she's trying to talk to him and he can't stop imagining her naked and she's trying to talk to him and she keeps imagining and remembering when he was naked. And that's sort of the end of uh, this storyline, you know, sort of a, a punchline. But I, I feel like it's a, just a little bit of uh, just a uh, cheap laugh here. I agree. I think it's a good storyline that just doesn't have a final act. I think they really could have tied it together. I really I think that you could have gotten Jerry involved with the germaphobe. Like, uh, I think you could have still incorporated good naked, bad naked. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you sort of like got the germaphobe anonymous uh, Jerry tie in here, I think that I like that better. Right. Like what if they eat at Kramer? Because the final meal, where's that? That's at that's at Putty's, right? Or Elaine's. Right. Right. And so what if it's at like Kramer's and then like, uh, I don't know, she, you know, Kramer tells the thing, you know, Kramer says what happened. And then like she for Jerry showers broken. So she takes a shower in like Kramer's shower and she comes out or something at the same Time they're like getting grossed out mm-hmm. right like with no clothes on i don't know I, I don't, I, listen maybe we could we could spruce that up a little bit but i feel like there are ways to tie it together okay so i uh, i mean that i think that you could do it a different way where jerry is like obsessed with this woman but he can't get over you know her being naked all over his house and furniture and so he has to end up like he ends up trying to uh talk to putty the germaphobe or going to the germaphobe meeting so he can stay with her uh and like this is like this perfect woman that he's found but you know his germaphobe uh you know the fear is holding him back yeah i think that i think there's something there there's something there uh you know just like the who cares about peggy yeah no i don't care about peggy okay all right so uh, we then go back to Kramer and he's talking with Jerry on the phone about how they uh, broke up. He's making like a salad in like um in the like what meal is this? Well, he's making the meal that he's going to eventually serve them. Well, what so meal is it? It's a salad. But what that, that's it? Salad's a meal? No, I think there's a main course. If you look at the table, there's a bunch of things on the table. Okay. I say it's a great meal. But what is he like uh, boiling stuff? Like what is what how, what how what other food is he preparing in the shower? I don't we'd really have to like freeze frame the that meal and see like what else is on the yeah. table because there's some like protein looking foods there right some di- some meat dishes or something mm-hmm. 
Um, I like that also uh, we see Jerry give the exact directions on how to uh, make these uh, radish roses. Do you know what a radish rose is? Because I certainly don't. Yeah, it's a radish that you carve to look like a rose. Do people still eat radishes? I don't think they're popular. No, I don't think they're popular at all. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. uh, We go to Stanky Hanky working at Baskin Robbins. Why does Stanky Hanky work at an ice cream store? Well, we established already that he works in an ice cream store. But why? What does... Like, why couldn't he? Like, what does this have to do with anything to make him? It's just such a random thing that Stanky I'm gonna, Hanky I'm works. Gonna give you, I'm going to give you an answer. What is it? Stanky Hanky was like a Wall Street bigwig, and he had a wife and kids, and the alcohol got the better of him, and he just like he's been struggling to stay on his feet. And this is like him getting his first job in a long time. Okay, is this too similar to the guy that worked at Kenny Rogers Roasters? I mean, maybe, but that's why they don't. Dis- that's why they don't say it. That's why it happens off screen. Okay. I mean, it's just so specific that it's Baskin Robbins. Yeah. I, why does Baskin Robbins even want this like weird publicity? But I guess in, in, in hindsight, who cares? There's nothing bad. That okay. Here. So uh, George comes down to talk to Stanky Hanky and uh, that he wants to uh, he owes George an apology for how sarcastic he was. Right. But he doesn't really give an apology. Right. Uh, meanwhile, there is a kid who's getting uh, pretty obnoxious. I mean, is the kid being obnoxious? He's really being ignored. The truth is, if Stanky Hanky said, hold on, I'm dealing with a customer, even though they're clearly not talking about ice cream, I feel like maybe the kid pipes down for a minute. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, he's clearly having a personal conversation. He's not trying to mask that fact. Yeah. Uh, so he says that, you know, that he was sarcastic. And uh, George uh, says, thank you. And Hanky says, you're welcome. Uh, George is the one uh, that is uh, thanking. He gives a uh, stanky hanky thanky. Uh, hanky says you're welcome, but he didn't get the apology. He didn't get you're sorry. Right, he never said the words I'm sorry. Okay. And then ultimately, Hanky ends up uh, starting to yell. And, uh, you know, he's yelling at the kid uh, and says to the kid, you know, I'm interacting with somebody over here. If you don't understand that now, I'm sorry. Uh, and George uh, calls it out that he said, sorry, but not to him. And then what does Stanky Hanky do? He like gets in the ice cream. He goes in to get he's he, I guess he's looking for like the alcoholic ice cream, daiquiri ice. Right. But is that is that why they made work at Baskin Robbins? Because they have like a rum raisin and daiquiri ice cream flavors. But there's not actually I alcohol so. in ice cream. Right. I guess I guess it's like because there's some alcohol there and he's not going to work at like a liquor shop. That would be too on the nose. Is that what it is? Because there's alcohol in the like alcohol flavoring in ice cream in certain flavors. If I had to guess, that's what it is. That's a little bit of uh, weak sauce. OK. I mean, I never really had a problem with it. Okay. All right. Uh, we go back to Elaine's house that Kramer has prepared a meal to thank Putty for installing the garbage disposal. Uh, Peggy is there also. I'm not sure necessarily why Peggy has to hang out with Elaine and Putty. After uh, they uh, had that conversation, but uh, we'll go with it. I mean, they're working on her uh, germiness. Okay. Um, And we find out that Kramer prepared the whole meal in the bathtub. Uh, Yeah. I mean, truly, even let someone like me who's a non-germy, that couldn't be much grosser. Right. I do think Putty is funny in this scene. He's like, oh, germs. (laughs) Even Putty has a setback with this. Yeah, no, it's it it is definitely going to set them back years. Okay. Uh, George uh, comes into one of the uh, meeting rooms. He's looking for rageaholics. No, he's in germaphobes with uh, uh, Elaine and Putty and Peggy. Uh, And so uh, we see uh, Hanky 
uh, that he is now a rageaholic. Yeah, it is weird. He's going to a lot of different aholics, uh, Hanky, in this episode. Like the the right, we know he's an alcoholic. He's literally drunk when he gets up there, right? He's playing drunk, but he's also at the rageaholic meeting. Yeah. So he's at that meeting, and so uh, George uh, still wants the apology, and Hanky will not give it to him. It was a nice sweater. Take a look at his neck. Not to mention that melon on top of it. I don't know if I trust him with a V-neck. And then Georgia says uh, he's bebopping and scatting and I'm losing it. Hasn't been a lot of scatting since 1997. Nope, nope, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Keeve, there you go. That's the apology. Yes, let's uh, let's grade these uh, storylines. All right, Jerry, good naked, bad naked, uh, iconic. I said that's the thing that we remember most. Uh, we basically have described it as a story with a beginning and a middle, but not a great ending. What do you say? Yeah, no, the ending definitely falls flat, but I think it's a pretty iconic, like the good naked, bad thing is still like a deb- thing debated today. It's funny. They do a lot with with, you know, there's not a lot, not a lot of time spent with them. It's definitely the C or D storyline. I'll give it a B plus only because the bad ending. Yeah, I'll give it a A minus. It's iconic. It's memorable. I think that uh, where it loses the, uh, you know, half letter grade to A minus is because of the uh, the ending there. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right. Uh, Then we have let's go to George and the saga of Stanky Hanky. Um, I, I think, you know, it's not one of the most iconic things when you look back at the whole series, but I think Stanky Yankee is an interesting character, not the most well-developed, but he has, he has a lot going on for someone we only see for 22 minutes. Uh, I'll give this a B plus. B plus. I'll say, uh, that's a fair grade uh, that Stanky Hanky is, uh, funny in this episode, but I feel like it is not memorable at all. That if you told me five guesses before we watched this episode of what does Stanky Hanky do? Why was George upset with Stanky Hanky? I would not have remembered prior to watching this episode. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'll give it a B plus. It was fun, but it's just, uh, not iconic. And it's James Spader. You would think that that would be more memorable, but Stanky Hanky uh, did not really stand the test of time. Spader is definitely in my like Mount Rushmore of actors I hate with Kevin Spacey. Oh, really? Why? Uh, I just I I hated him like I I hate him on Boston Legal. I obviously he ruined the office. He was so bad. Um, I'm just I'm just not a fan. I feel like he's always like overacting. But uh, you know, I, I I'll fill out the rest of my Mount Rushmore. Another point. I gotta think. But Spader Spacey definitely one and two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't bother. He doesn't bother me here. He's not very spatery here. He's barely recognizable. No, not very spatery at all. <laughs> so uh, what about Elaine and uh, the saga with Peggy? Um, I say Boston Public. I think it was the practice. I'm mixing up my like 90s. For he was in show. Boston Legal and the practice. Boston Legal. I, uh, but I, I watched the practice. I did not watch Boston Legal. OK. Uh, my father-in-law, I think that was his favorite show. Boston Legal. He liked Shatner. Um, Who doesn't? The. Uh, well, star people who hate Star Wars like me. No, but I have no problem. With He's in Star Trek. The, oh, I, I, I'd say I've never seen it, but in fact, I've seen one episode. It was great. Yeah. Um. Uh, so who are we? Da- who are we rating now? Elaine. Elaine. Yeah. You know, she's a, I, I, the Peggy stuff is interesting. I think that in, the first scene in the bathroom is kind of funny. The when he throws at the water bottle, that's a really underrated scene Her like rubbing the keyboard and stuff. Those are like all funny, funny scenes. I'm going to give this an A minus a minus. I'll give it a B. It, you know, it's not a memorable storyline for me. And ultimately, you know, I think we uh, spend too much time with Peggy towards the end of the episode and her being a germaphobe. So uh, 
I'll, I'll end up with a with a flat B. And then what about Kramer in the shower? Uh, Kramer in the shower, as like a secondary storyline, I think it's funny and it does a good job of tying the end together. Uh, there's nothing hilarious or really iconic in there. I do really like the scene where he's where he goes to the like men YMCA shower to, uh, to like rate the guy, you know, to like take notes on the guys. That's kind of a funny idea. Comes back to the black guy a little bit too too cartoony. I'll give this a B plus also. Okay. I'll give Kramer's shower a B minus just because uh, I don't know. I feel like that we're just, you know, coming up with more and more things to invent to have Kramer install in his apartment, whether it's a screen door, whether it's a hot dog. It doesn't feel original. You know, uh, whether it's a meat slicer, you know, we're just like, hey, oh, Kramer's got something new and wacky in his apartment now. Like, what else could we put in Kramer's apartment? That would be unusual. Right. The difference is usually it's like Jerry, maybe with Elaine and George we're at the end where it's tying in together where here it's Jerry's outside the main picture rarely you know in a rare instance and Kramer's inside sort of the uh the main A ending mm-hmm. okay Keeve in your episode rankings yeah. where yeah. do we have the apology also a terrible name for this episode bad name give it give me some better names than the apology okay the garbage disposal yeah that's okay that's better it's not great but that's better uh the you know the good naked and the bad naked certainly i think either i think i think the good naked it it becomes a much more iconic episode if that's the title honestly right i actually think i think that that ends up being a home run for this episode we've talked about like oh but we're like could they not put that in a tv guide or something like that they Uh, could put that that's not that's not so bad let's not be too puritanical here well i'm just saying like what is the raciest seinfeld episode name Uh, the soup nazi probably soup nazi and again but that's not like racy on like a sexual level no, not on a sexual level, but um, I mean, the contest, nobody knows what they're talking about. So right. That's not racy, but the right? word contest is not racy. No, maybe now it is. <laughs> now it is. So um, I think that you could have done better than the apology. Yeah, I agree. All right, Keith. So I'm going to guess that you have this at episode number 79. Ooh, pretty close. 66. 66. All right. Keeva, uh, we've got our apology mailbag. Uh, we're recording this uh, a little early in the week, so I'm sorry if uh, you sent us an email after we recorded. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 20th, so I apologize if we uh, if you sent us an email after the fact after listening to the backwards episode. But Keeva, uh, you have some mm. other. Uh, you reached out to a couple people after last week's show. Yeah, I will say by the way, anytime we record early, the second we end, we get one or two emails. Oh, sure, like that, that second when we're done. So that's the preemptive uh, apology. If you could. If you could feel it in no like the ether, hanky then, here. We are sorry. If you're someone who hasn't emailed and it's going to email like later tonight, if you could just like send us one right now, we'll read it. Mm-hmm. Before we sign off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have two things. You said you you tasked me with 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 asking people two different things. And you also said I frequently uh, for, fall down on the job and forget to do these things. Mm-hmm. So I took care of both of them immediately after we recorded last week um, to, to go back to last week when we were talking about the betrayal. And you said that stuff your sorries in a sack, mister, mm-hmm. was a play on words for Elaine wearing a sari, which is a classic Indian uh, garment. Garb. Sure. Garb. Classic, which is classic Indian garb. So I tweeted at the writer of uh, the episode, The Betrayal, and I said, at Peter Millman, settle a bet, please. Because I, you like, you know, you don't want to sound like a total lunatic. So it's always I, no way not betting. to, though. No, I think settle a bet is much cooler than like. I have a podcast and we just did a backwards episode for your show. And do you want to come? And anyway, uh, bet, please in the betrayal is stuff. Your sorry's in a sack. Also a play on words on sorry, which Elaine is wearing. Do you want to know what Peter Melman responded? Did you see this? No, I did not. You want to guess? I'm going to guess that he said that, uh, I, I never thought of that. You were so confident last week that you were right. 
but I hear your tone. Oh no, that no tone. I'm I'm uh, I'm like a neutral judge here. I'm just mm-hmm. relating. You don't seem that neutral. Mis- you seem like you can't wait to say that. <laughs> no, I, told I really, you so. honestly, I really, I, it's it, you know, we if we had actually bet, I would be excited. Like if you were like PayPal me five hundred bucks now, I'd be excited. Yeah, you know, just to. Um, so he responded, I hope you bet no, that was not the intention. Oh, man. But I mean, what are the chances of that? With one episode in India, we're talking about sorry. You could literally stuff sorries in a sack, mister. Yeah. No, I, I even even though you were wrong, I think it's I, I think it's myself. still uh, I hope nobody had like their earphones on uh, top volume there. I hope no, I, you were still I think it's still a good call. I, I It doesn't take away from the fact that you had like a good <sighs> I, was, sort I really of, uh, was confident on that one. Listen. Maybe maybe somewhere in the universe, like he didn't think he was making that sort of connection, but maybe somewhere in there with her wearing a sari, it, it did, uh, you know, it, it did cross his mind subconsciously. OK. All right. All right. Well, and then uh, what else did you work on, Keith? OK, so you said it, we were discussing how the episode would play if someone viewed it the opposite way, meaning forwards, not the way that the betrayal was shown on television. And so we came up with Mike Bloom, who listens to this podcast and. Uh, is a first-time Seinfeld watcher, but we knew we would not have watched The Betrayal, uh, you know, in in time to really uh, partake in this episode. So I knew was, I was confident we could ask Mike Bloom. He could immediately go, and uh, he's a team player, and go watch yes, the episode. Solid. And luckily, if you don't have the DVDs, how would you watch this backwards other than, like, going scene by scene? And a lot of those scenes are, like, 20 seconds. So it would be impossible, right, to, like, go, like, on Hulu and go backwards. Especially, imagine the commercials going backwards, how frustrating that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, some uh, kind soul on YouTube uploaded the there are very few Seinfeld episodes on YouTube, but some kind soul uploaded the forwards version of the betrayal. OK, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's missing one of the six like parts, but we, we worked our way around that. OK, so OK, so here's Mike Bloom's email. He writes in, I actually think my viewing experience was fairly similar to someone watching the episode proper for the first time for the first half of the episode. No matter where you start, you dropped in completely confused only for things to get revealed to you later that make sense of what you saw in the beginning. Difference, though, is that in the proper way, you get several minutes in India and at the wedding to get settled in, like slipping and in, slipping into a hot bath. With my viewing, I immediately spend 13 years in about two minutes, like having the water in the shower alternate between hot and cold. So he doesn't know he's getting shower jokes in. He doesn't even know where we're up to the uh, apology here. Mm-hmm. So he was misled at first with the opening scene, seeming, seeming to imply that we would get some sort of Jerry Kramer origin episode, a la Sheldon and Leonard. And, uh, don't mention that show here. Yeah. Uh, Big Bang Theory, he says. No, but uh, so, right. He had no idea what the episode was about. So he thought it would be an origin story. But but then he says uh, we cut to this random Susan appearance, a horrible email reference. Yeah, we were on board with that. Uh, even for 1997 and a literal blink and you miss an appearance of someone named Peter. Right. right? And at that point, you have no idea who Peter is. Right. He continues. The scenes following prompted a flurry of discussions even more than usual. Does Kramer have a vendetta with FDR? Why is Peter so important? Why are we randomly have a scene of Elaine on her own? Adamantly declaring she won't go to India. So there's a lot of blanks to fill in, he's saying. Once they get to India, the, the things flow better. Jokes weren't as dependent on the backwards narrative, and it seemed much more like an episode of Seinfeld. Okay. I actually think that several jokes were meant to be surprised in the episode. They worked better in his viewing. Elaine's entire storyline actually plays really well in chronological order, the Peter, Peter cameo being the exception. In fact, I would argue George's Timberland story might even work better backwards since we get the reasoning up front and really get to see that storyline develop, culminating in painting them black for the wedding. There's some jokes, though, like Elaine sneezing and the Fruit Loops in the drawer that didn't play whatsoever without the time device of the episode. Now, he didn't listen to the podcast when he wrote this in, but I think we were on board with the Fruit Loops not working either way, right? Forwards or backwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, some of the things were just like the reveal, like that, that put that right there with like the Kramer eating the lollipop. 
Right. He doesn't know which timeline the Kramer storyline would work in. It seemed too cartoonish. Right. Uh, he said the beginning was confusing. The end or the beginning of the end. I'm not sure what's the beginning, what's the end anymore. Uh, but it wasn't really an end. Understandable considering it's not actually supposed to end the episode. So there's no big laugh or anything like that. Uh, and also he like when I said the betrayal, I said when I messaged uh, Mike Bloom, who's far more cultured, I think, than either of us. He he said, uh, I said, have you ever seen the betrayal? He's like the Harold Pinter play. He, he said it seriously. As if, like, I, you know, anyone else would know what that is. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even know I was talking about the Seinfeld episode. So I think he had an idea of, like, the backwards and forwards thing. Wow. But So his overall thought, watching this episode in chronological order, is that it's a fine, not great episode of Seinfeld, and it's clear that the material really relies on narrative advice, which we agreed with. And he ends with, admittedly, I'm now on a fix for this type of stuff. So if you guys happen to do a podcast about the movie, movie Memento, I watched it with my wife on one of her first dates, and she fell asleep in a in a lounge chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, sign me up as your chronological tinkering guinea pig. Can't wait to hear you guys close out the series over the next few months. And I'm happy I was able to uh, catch up on the podcast under the wire during season five, so I could be one of the chosen people listening now. Just to wow. clarify, Mike, not only Jews are allowed to listen to the podcast. <laughs> chosen. People. I thought that was uh, the case. Now, oh please, let's not let's not get started. People okay. are we're going to get angry emails. <laughs> okay, it was Mike's joke. They, even though I don't even think he meant it like that. Okay, maybe backwards. Um, maybe backwards. Well, everything. Mike is so good with the puns, and like he has so many puns that I. He, th- there's almost no accident. If the, if he had the stuff in your sorry in the sack line, they would be for sure referencing the sorry garment. Sure. Okay, Keeve. Uh, that being said, let's dive into Johnny DeSavera, who says uh, after the Susie, I completely forgot that Megan Cole was in another Seinfeld episode as Peggy. What do you guys think ever happened to Peggy? Well, does he mean what happened to Susie? I think is his question. Well, Susie was, you know, not not ever real, Keith. Well, you don't with, break it. That's yeah, Johnny. Next, you're going to tell the, Johnny that Santa Claus is real. The, the actress who played Peggy. Uh, what do you think? He wants to know what happened to Peggy's character after this. He want like the actress in real life. No, I don't know, char- the not 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 Megan Cole. Keg, Peggy, the the woman who worked in Elaine's office. What happens to her from here? I think she probably like is about to quit at Peterman and then Elaine goes to jail and she realizes she's got a year of a bathroom to herself and she stays at Peterman. I think that she ends up completely crumbling under the germophobia and has to go find out, see if there's somebody out there that knows about some sort of a device that could keep her from all germs. If almost like there was some type of bubble, Keeve. If she mm-hmm. could live inside a bubble, then she would be safe from all the germs. And it ends up leading her to upstate New York, where she ends up being the new roommate of the bubble boy. Interesting. Um, so the bubble boy and Peggy, <laughs> they, no germs. They, they got together. They hooked up. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. Yeah. I mean, the, I we got to wait for season 10, though. Bubble boy would date Peggy. We don't know much about the bubble. Boy. Like the bubble boy also seemed really young in the episode. No, but he right? was he like was pervy, kid. also, right? He was pervy and young. Mm-hmm. I think we should not ship the bubble. But I hate the word ship. I don't think I've ever used it out loud before. But I don't think we should ship uh, the bubble boy and Peggy. Okay, I feel like we have to retract that. All right. Uh, maybe she could just like uh, be a co-tenant in the bubble. Yeah. Oh, she could be near the bubble or in the bubble for sure. But I don't know if she could. I don't. I don't think they're dating. Although he is much. Even if he was young. Then he's five years older, so he might be like, uh, you know, he's of age, I think. Okay, he's a bubble man now. A bubble man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what about Actually, Craig from Vancouver? Little... So Craig wants to know if either of us have phobias. He has a bunch of them, including a germophobia from a hands perspective. So like the Howie Mandel. Mm-hmm. Do you have a phobia, Rob? Uh, not really. What about snakes? Eh, I mean, I don't want them on me. No, well, no, I don't want them on me. 
Um, I, I do know one of your phobias, clowns. You're afraid of clowns. Yeah, I don't care for clowns. I mean, I'm Is not that a like real phobia? freak out. Like, uh, like if what I'm, if you brought your son like to a birthday party in a clown show? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just not going to be super comfortable, but I don't think I'm. I'm what like, if the clown comes over and starts having conversation with you about the Mets? I, again, um, it's not my ideal uh, situation to be in, but it's not like I, I like I could do it. OK, so it's not a, it's a phobia, but it's a minor phobia. Yeah. It's not like you'd leave. No, I wouldn't leave. What about Giovanni? What does he want? Giovanni says, uh, do you think this episode is a poor man's version of the Fusilli Jerry seeing as how Putty is in it? Uh, there's partial nudity and both episodes end with food harming characters. I think that's a stretch, no? Yeah. Now, this episode was probably filmed after Austin Powers because I think that's like a famous movie in terms of like having new people but not showing it right yeah well i think that the first austin powers was in 1999 so this was uh, oh so this is before it okay are you sure uh, i don't I, think it's 99 because i remember is it 97 talking yeah i think it's 97 because i weren't even yeah so yeah, i'll tell you it's 90 i'll tell you why i know it's 97 because i remember like finding out about it on like the bus of my eighth grade trip yeah so actually this is right around that time may 2nd 97 is the mm. first austin powers yes so yeah, so Austin Powers comes out, and then they write this episode, which is similar. That mm. had like a lot of the gag jokes with like Elizabeth Hurley. Although this doesn't have it. This is just films from like the opposite angle. Right. Okay. Uh, what about Lindsay? She says, uh, "Is there anybody uh, you think owes an apology for some relatively minor thing they did a long time ago, but you haven't been able to let go of?" Uh, Lindsay, only like a million things I have like that. <laughs> you have a lot of gripes. Yeah. <laughs> you have a list. Like, do you have an actual I list? I don't have a like, list. A, like, like, a, like, here's Excel the. Sheet. The thing about me is like uh, much more in the short term, like I'll be really annoyed about uh, perceived slight for for yes. several days and then I sort of forget about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think, you know, that it's silly, but it bothers you. So you let it bother you a little bit, but then you also like are mature enough to let it go eventually. Yeah, I just don't think about it. I, I can yeah, eventually like it's it. there's a new slight or or like something else more <laughs> right some some other new slight will happen that will uh annoy me for a couple of days uh but i do since since i asked about the list i would be curious if like chester has an actual list of like top 10 people who owe him apology if he does chester write in and send us your okay. list for next week. you're probably on it well i wish him a happy birthday today it's his birthday oh happy birthday so Chester! I, should, I shouldn't be on yeah his 34th birthday and he's a he's a homeowner and uh why, why would he be mad at anything other than the fact that like now he's got a long drive to work every day. Okay. Also, Lindsay wants to know, has anybody ever demanded an apology from you that uh, you didn't think you should have to give? I'm assuming this has come up with your wives. Yeah. Uh, like every day. Right. Uh, I did something to make you upset, but I didn't even know you were upset. Yes. That I'd say like, like uh, like meals at least three times a day. Yes. What, what what happens at meals? No, I'm just saying it's like, like it's, it's scheduled three times a day, morning, afternoon, and night. That something like that happens where it's like, you're mad. I, like, you know why I'm mad at you? No, I, I actually have no idea. And then it's like, then they tell me it's either like, oh, shoot, I didn't realize I did that. Or like, you almost think to yourself, like, is that is that seriously why you're mad at me? Because I did 80 worse things today. Right. Yeah. yeah I, that we could do uh, two hours on this right now. Nobody wants yeah. to hear it. Nobody wants to hear no. it. And then uh, people <laughs> will say something on Twitter. They'll be like, uh, then my wife will be like, uh, what were you saying about me today? So no, it's not. The juice is not worth the squeeze. I agree. I agree. What about Amir? So should Elaine really be mocking George for having a big head? She was recently called a big head by her bad breaker upper boyfriend and should be she should be more sensitive to this kind of bullying. I think that's what happens. That's yeah. why bullying's bad, right? When you bully someone, they bully the, the next like weakest person, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. why bullying is bad. This is just her continuing the chain. George is going to call 
someone even smaller and you know like more fragile than him big head in season 10 if it existed yeah and this is all pre-social media that's true uh amir adds maybe george is right to ignore rageaholics rageaholics anonymous wanting him to bottle it up look what happened with the serenity now technique serenity now insanity later so um yeah so like ignore rageaholics anonymous because they want you to ignore your rage we don't really know Rageaholics Anonymous is sort of like strategy. Yeah, we don't know exactly how it works or if it's still going, but um, you know, I think it's probably a, a good thing, right? Rageaholics I mean, Anonymous. But, but Serenity Now and Sanity Later, we we like that doesn't work, right? No. But we don't know that they're preaching Serenity Now. They might be preaching like, you know, I, I have no idea what they're preaching. Seems like more of just like come up and talk it through and talk about your story and you have a support group. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, this is a more of a Chester question, but this is from Amir. How did George get in touch with Stanky Hanky's sponsor, his AA sponsor? I thought the whole point was that it's anonymous. I'm pretty sure you can't just call up and get a sponsor's contact info. And a sponsor discussing his AA sponsee's situation is a clear violation of AA code. Yep. We've talked about many uh, HIPAA violations yeah. in Seinfeld, and now let's add Rageaholics uh, anonymity violations to it. I mean, listen, the, maybe he's a bad sponsor, and that's why Stanky Hanky's, you know, back on or off the wagon. We still haven't decided, um, you know, by the end of the episode. Let's close it out with the birthday boy, Mr. 34 himself. Happy birthday, Chester. He wants to know, why would Peterman call Elaine at home and tell her that he needs five bucks for a balloon bouquet? That is weird, right? Like the CEO calling her and saying, give me five bucks. Like, why can't you just ask her at work? Right. Or why can't the company uh, pay for the $100 balloon bouquet? Yeah. I mean, that seems like to be a pretty common thing, right? It's like, it's more meaningful if it's from your coworkers. But it's weird that, like, she's probably going to have $5 on her. And if not, she'll pay the day after. I, it is weird that he's calling her about this. Okay. Uh, two, uh, how could Elaine have never noticed this germ necklace that Putty wears? I mean, maybe Putty's a never nude. And like, so he, you know, he's always wearing a shirt over it. Yeah, but I don't think this is canon. We've seen Putty without his shirt on before. I don't know if he's wearing a necklace. No, I don't think he has the, the germ necklace on usually. I think Putty is just saying like, he just happens to be wearing it when Elaine brings okay. it up. And then finally, Chester wants to know, how does Jerry know how to make a radish rose? That's weird that Kramer just calls him up and Jerry unironically explains it to him, right? Mm -hmm. That is a little strange. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did he date a chef? Still, this is a very un-Jerry-like thing to know. Okay. Yeah. Good question. So uh, happy birthday to Chester. All right, Keith, what's the hashtag today? I got a couple of options for you. Uh, yeah, someone, a couple of people were very impressed that I wrote down a bunch of hashtags for last week. Yes. So I went back to, you know, not writing hashtags for this. Week. I have one. <laughs> what do you got? I have one. Uh, hammer toe time. Yeah, I think that's probably it. I also have uh, skanky hanky, uh, the negative. Nobody one wants that person. in their in their mentions. Uh, bubble man. Mm -hmm. Let's do hammer toe time. Hammer toe time. Good uh, to call back to the toe ring era. All right, Keeve. So now, uh, I guess, uh, what's going on? 32 fans. You still ranking states? Yeah, we finished ranking states. Antonio Mazzaro, Chester, and I ranked the top 25 states. Uh, surprise winner, actually. Uh, I was very certain that a certain state would win, and it didn't. And the state I thought would come in second also didn't come in second. So there was a shocking conclusion to these state rankings. Wow. Okay. All right. So well, there you go. Uh, the, the state rankings are coming in uh, crazy. Uh, yeah. No, don't believe the state rank polls because <laughs> they were way off. All right. It's, it's Look, there's something in the water right now that, you know, uh, that the projections uh, thought it was going to go one way and it goes a different way. So uh, surprises abound. Yeah. Ignore the math. Okay. All right, Kiva. Great stuff. Mm. You can follow Kiva on Twitter. He's at Kiva26. I'm at Rob Sisternino. 
Uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who edits these shows and is, uh, you know, crossing off another notch as we get closer. What, only 16 episodes left? Well, this was, I think, 16, including today. So oh, really 15, 15 after left. this. Wow. Final and, uh, 15. Scott is uh, not going to go on strike, but we are next week. We got the strike. We got a uh, uh, Watley's Hanukkah party. We got uh, Elaine meeting Denim Vest and Kramer goes back to work. Okay. Very exciting stuff uh, coming up next week. Send us your email, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.